Welcome back to the first episode of Draft Season 2022. I am your host, Nick Carinanti, and with me I have today, Dean Joannou. I am very excited for this run of draft season. We are about six weeks away from the NBA draft and just a few days before the NBA lottery. This year, we will be doing a podcast once a week, as well as some live events on Twitter Spaces such as the lottery on Tuesday night. So make sure to check it all out. I'm, I'm very excited to, to give you all the draft content for this year. Dean, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about this class. I'm excited to talk about where the Knicks fall. So let's get right into it. The Knicks are projected at the 11th spot in the lottery on Tuesday with a 9.4% chance for a top four pick and just a 2% chance at the number one pick of the draft. Dean, what are you looking for from the Knicks perspective in this draft? I'm not sure what kind of player I'd like to see the Knicks come away with because I think a lot of Knicks fans um, would agree that there are young players on the roster who, you know, the, the minutes for them still need to be found. Um, so when you, when you think of the roster for next season, as it currently stands, they, they have most, most of the spots in the rotation filled. Um, we have the question mark of, of Tibbs always going into every season when, when you're talking about, you know, drafting a rookie, are they, are they going to get a chance Like we saw with Deuce McBride didn't get too much of that chance this year until the, the tail end. So, um, always the answer to the question is point guard. Um, if you can find a great value at point guard at 11, if, it, if the pick is at 11, if you're, if you're lucky enough to move up, then I think the, it's taking a stab at a point guard if you plan to enable them at all. Um, something that always that always work for me. Yeah, so it's interesting because it is impossible to talk about drafting and the rookies for the Knicks without talking about Tibbs' minute management for getting rookies involved. But you do have Deuce McBride there in the guard role. Didn't get a lot to do this year. We'll see what that looks like next year. This is a very, very weak guard class. We'll talk about this over the next six weeks of what this class looks like because it has a bad reputation. I think it's a little deeper and a little better than what it was originally expected, but there are very, very few lead guards. So if you look at the last couple drafts, there's been a combination of these jumbo guard prospects, your Kate Cunningham, Josh Giddy types, and dominant ball handler, John Morant, LaMelo Ball kind of players. There is not a lot of that in either of those boxes in this draft. And at 11, we'll talk about some of these guards that could be there. There's not a lot of lead guard playmakers. So it will be very interesting if that's where they fall and what their options are. But like I said, there's a 9.4% chance of a top four pick. So this class is going to be discussed as a four-man class, three-man class, depending on who you ask, for the top-tier prospects. One of those is a guard, and three of them are bigs. 
So that puts the Knicks in an interesting perspective. And if that were to, to pan out, which, of course, the Knicks don't have the best lottery luck, so I'm not expecting it. But if that hits, do you have any thoughts on that idea? So I want to go through these prospects and talk about them. I'll go over each of them, and then we could talk about the Knicks fit. Because I think it's interesting. There's one I can't imagine on this roster, and the other three I think are very interesting. So depending on who you ask, you have three candidates for the top prospect in this class. It's Chet Holmgren, the skinny seven-foot prospect from Gonzaga. You have Paolo Bancaro, the big power forward from Duke. Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn, the 6'10 shooter. And those really are your clear top three for most people. And then at four, you have Jaden Ivey, the 6'4 combo guard from Purdue, who some people will put in that same tier, some people won't. But he's definitely ahead of whoever you have at five. So do you have any thoughts on these prospects or just the fits of what you would want to see the Knicks do if they came away with a a lottery pick? Yeah, so of those four guys that you mentioned, I think the player that I've seen the least of is Jabari Smith. Um, So um, I I would like to hear... Uh, how you see his game and how you see like, you know, how he'll translate uh, to the NBA. Um, and then some, someone that I wanted to ask you about going into this, who I, um, I guess I usually see mocked in like the five or six range, maybe these days uh, would be shade and sharp. I'm very intrigued by him. The little that I've seen um, to the video wise, like he, he seems so fluid, so smooth. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm super curious about him. So let's get into Jabari Smith because there's a, a much bigger conversation about Shaden Sharp I would love to to get into. But you asked about and Jabari is probably the easiest plug-and-play fit for any team of those top four that I mentioned. I think no matter who wins the lottery on Tuesday, a 43% shooter at 6'10", or 43% three-point shooter at 6'10", just fits in the modern NBA. I, I don't know if I see his star potential as high as the other three, but he is an athletic wing that is long, can defend, and again, shot 43% from deep on like five and a half attempts a game. What, uh, what, what position would he be most likely to defend, at least coming in? Coming in, he's going to defend on the wing. I. I don't know. I mean, he's he is skinny. He's not as skinny as Chet, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I don't really know if he's going to really be able to defend in the post. He does have some flexibility. I mean, he'll be switchable. He is just, you know, very active defender. He's a, a very good college defender. A lot of the things you look at when evaluating defense, you know, fought through screens really well, moved, defended, you know, again, switched, defended multiple positions in college at a, at a high level. So I think, I don't know if he's going to necessarily be, you know, an all defense kind of player. I don't think his defense projects that way, but a really solid versatile team defender that will defend on the wing, but you're looking at, guarding threes, fours, and again, depending on the matchup, could change a little bit. 
So is he, a, is he the type of player that you'd feel comfortable just slotting in at small forward as a rookie? Uh, just uh, just saying that if we're if we're thinking through the lens of the Knicks, um, it's you know we're probably going to have Julius Randle at the four next year. We we know we're going to have Tibbs, so we're probably also going to have a defensive center on the court. And uh, so if the Knicks, you know, by by that small chance that they've got to move into that top four, if they were able to get him, um, you know, would he have a would he have a simple you know would he just simply slide R.J. Barrett to the two and and play the three for the Knicks? I think he would, and I, that's one of the things that I do like about Jabari, which is the shooting will translate, if if nothing else, and it should translate quickly. So he gets minutes at the three, and then not that the Knicks, not that Tibbs will get creative with some of that, but you could then also get a minutes at the four, depending on on the roster at the time. But he can just come in and shoot on the wing and fill that role, I think at a high level as a rookie. And it would be a little weird with that, but having longer defenders is not a bad thing, right? So next to RJ, in between RJ and and Julius, I think it would be an interesting fit, but this team needs shooting and he is going to be a NBA level off-ball shooter at the very least. I think there's a lot of, higher level creative on ball shooting that has brought comparisons to Kevin Durant, which are a little hyperbolic. He's not going to be Kevin Durant, but he can create his own shot off the dribble. And that's an, a nice skill to have. And again, I think that would work really well next to RJ. I don't necessarily love it next to Julius Randle, but I think it would still give this team a little more spacing and would be someone that, Tibbs could use on both sides of the ball pretty early on. Yeah, if you know if Julius Randle is still going to be a, a key figure in the Knicks rotation, you know, one of the leaders of the team, then like getting him another um, very efficient spot up shooter to kick it out to uh, would definitely be helpful. Um, sounds like he wouldn't give up as much on defense as someone like Evan Fournier was but the Knicks, you know, go to catch and shoot guy last year uh, with Randle on the court. So. I guess we're going to talk about Shaden Sharp a little bit. I've also been really intrigued uh, by Johnny Davis, um, but these are probably guys that would take like a trade-up scenario to get, I'm, I'm assuming, from what I understand, if the Knicks yeah. landed at four, at uh, yeah. 11. There is a world in which Johnny Davis, who I really, really like, and on my board I have at six right now or seven, I believe. And I think there's a world in which he falls to 11 if they stay there. Him and Shane Sharp are in that window. Again, this is just a weird class where those four I mentioned are basically the definitive top four. There's a world where Shaden Sharp jumps Jaden Ivey at the fourth spot. But then five could be a half a dozen different players. That could be Shaden Sharp. That could be Johnny Davis. That could be Keegan Murray. That could be A.J. Griffin, depending on the, the fit and the team that's there those guys, there's a high variance in the lottery, you know, which is not that typical in the draft. And Johnny Davis is a great example because I can't see him falling much later than the Knicks, but he could go five or he could be there at 11. And there's just a lot of very interesting prospects that 
when you're looking at big boards, you're looking at mock drafts, exist in that range between 5 to 12, 5 to 15. And I think that's interesting. It's going to make for a wild draft night. And we'll we'll get into to Johnny in, in just a second. I, I want to talk about Shaden Sharp. So what do you like about him? I know you said he's smooth. That's like from just from what I've seen, um, I, I'm, I'm someone who's constantly jealous uh, when I watch other NBA teams play of just like, you know, really smooth ball handling, creative ball handling, um, passing guys open. I don't, I haven't seen much uh, as, um, as a passer from Shaden Sharp. I've seen a lot of like workout type of, of stuff content, but um, like a player who I really, really love is Jamal Murray. Um, so anytime I see in the draft, like someone with, with pretty good size and a lot of fluidity, um, the pull-up shot making ability, I, the, just like, I, I need to, I need to see the Knicks, um, just with capable pull-up three-point shooters. I mean, like uh, watching Evan Fournier just trying to like, use the same screen, go back and forth, back and forth, and you know, just try to release a three. Um, I just like for someone who can get that shot up easily or even, even mid range, someone who can just get to a smooth pull up. Yeah. I think if there's a world in which the Knicks can come away with Shaden Sharp on draft night, Knicks fans would be elated because of everything you just named. The idea of Shaden Sharp is not something the Knicks have really ever had in, in modern history a very very explosive quick you know creator he's got fantastic ball handling and lateral quickness that is kind of the opposite of what you've seen with a lot of these you know Alec Burks Evan Fournier types with the ability to to create for himself and I, just, I want to talk about Shaden Sharp a little bit just to give some context for, for unfamiliar. And if you're listening, you're probably aware of him in some way. But Shaden Sharp is out of Kentucky without ever having played a minute at Kentucky. So it's going to be a different context than a lot of players in the draft. And it changes the evaluation a bit just because we haven't seen him at the collegiate level and we haven't really seen what that can look like. He looks fantastic in an open gym. I mean, the videos of him, whether it's, you know, there's a step back video of him, the other just looks so beautiful and he's, his footwork is so quick that his ability to create shots looks so good when you're seeing it again, in these open gym videos and, you know, the practice footage. It's a bit of a risk. He's going to be referred to as, you know, the man of mystery in this draft class because there's so many question marks just with not having seen him in college. But that is part of the appeal. That That's what makes the ceiling so high for this, you know, really long athletic shot maker, shot creator, that's going to, you know, he, he draws comparisons to Paul George. I see a lot guys like that, which if that hits, obviously that's something that the Knicks would 
would desperately need. So this is where I, I have a question for you. Whether it's for or with some sort of trade situation, would you prefer the Knicks to take a risk on a guy like Shaden Sharp or take a guy like Johnny Davis, who we'll talk about, that probably has a lower theoretical ceiling but is a more NBA for pick? Yeah, so part of why I'm so intrigued by Shaden Sharp as a prospect is that um, in the draft that had Anthony Simons in it, I, you know, the film I was able to see of him just looked so promising, and I knew that obviously he didn't have the ability to have a track record. I think he'd like, you know, spend a year at IMG. Um, yeah, so, you know, it is a big, it is a mystery box. You don't, you don't know what to expect if you haven't seen them against the high-level competition, but the Knicks are just... They're hurting for point guard play. And when when it's in front of you and it makes sense, um, you know, on draft night, I'd hope that they take a take a risk at maybe getting a lead guard who you could really be comfortable with as a starter, you know, for the future. And that's not to um, underrate Emmanuel quickly. I have a lot of faith in Emmanuel quickly as well. Um, but even still, you know, we know that quickly can play alongside another guard seamlessly. And it's something that you can never have too much of is creation. Yeah, and I, I think Shaden Sharp does fit well next to another guard and whether it's quickly or, or whoever that ends up being. That sort of explosion and creativity that he's shown offensively should just make things easier for other guys, whether RJ or, or somebody else. And you like the idea of another Canadian next to RJ? Yeah. But again, just a weird situation would have been the the number one player going into next year reclassified and got into this draft class was eligible to play at Kentucky and it just never it never happened coming in this as late in the spring as he did. So, absolute mystery box, really high ceiling, going to be a really interesting next month of a month and a half of evaluation on him and, and what he ends up doing and what that looks like at, at combines and everything like that. But let's talk about the other guy there that you brought up, which is Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis had basically the opposite prospect evaluation context as, as Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp, the mystery box who we've seen so little of, but has every physical tool you could ask for. Davis was just arguably the best player in college basketball and did absolutely everything for his team. You could not have really asked for more from a player than Johnny Davis, especially when you're looking at this crazy high usage rate at Wisconsin, not a very talented team that he was able to, to drag along to a Big Ten championship and a competitive tournament seating, even though he was hurt and they disappointed in the tournament. Just super, super high usage rate and showed so much and overachieved what was expected for him in his sophomore year. And that brought him up to this lottery level prospect that he was not looked at going into, into the season. So what, what are your thoughts on Johnny Davis? 
Well, um, to um, you know, to hear that his usage rate was was that high, and he had to do that much. Um, I like it when like a player has been tested like that. Um, and to be honest, I haven't seen all that much of him. Obviously, I've been impressed when I have seen him play. But I would defer to you more on the on the evaluation. I, I have a lot to dig into uh, with a lot of these guys, and I plan to. Um, but um, I he struck me as someone who would play well next to the guys the Knicks already have, um, next to RJ Barrett, next to Emmanuel Quickly. Those guys aren't hard to uh, fit around in general, but someone who could complete that, that perimeter core for the Knicks. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by Cam Reddish, but bringing in a, a different type, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking that Cam Reddish has that sealed. I'm very just, uh, I, I could get excited about a player that I think would fit well with uh, what the Knicks already have. Yeah. And we hear this going around, you know, around draft season. I've definitely said it about prospects. I said it about McBride last year, but there are certain guys that feel like Tibbs fits. You know, they're Tibbs guys, and Johnny Davis is one of those guys. He is, again, like I said, the opposite of Shaden Sharp because he doesn't have all of the tools. Shaden Sharp is a, a absolute specimen athletically. Johnny Davis is a, a light, lightly below average athlete, not super impressive physically, but works incredibly hard and defensively just gets after it, which you don't typically see from 20 point a game, the usage rate and the ask of what he had to do at Wisconsin. And that's something that I think really appeals to me about Johnny Davis. And again, why I think like that's just an absolute, he's a dog out there that Thibodeau obviously loves and has a track record of working with. Yeah, that's, I'm excited for, like the opportunity to see how some of these young guys develop under Tibbs. Um, I'm, I'm someone who would not be uh, at all against the idea of moving on from Tibbs as some of these young players years from now, when they're asked about Tibbs, they're asked about their time with the Knicks or early in their career. I'm sure that we're going to hear a lot of these guys uh, give Tibbs a lot of credit for just defensive principles that they've learned. I think it'll serve like someone like Quentin Grimes, for example, we I'll, um, I'll want him to be getting more minutes, um, you know, consistently. I'm sure that I'll never, I'll never be satisfied, at least in the immediate future, with with uh, how many minutes he gets to play. But like a player like Quentin Grimes, four years from now, if he spent let's say two or three of them under Tom Thibodeau, I think you might get the best version of him um, from that experience. So. Yeah, I still, um, I still do have faith that these players will get better, even if they won't be um, properly utilized from day one. Yeah, and that's something that I think we'll continue to see, and it will be frustrating at times. But we'll see going into the draft what that looks like. You know, and again, what these guys look like in their rookie season. We're not going to get a ton of opportunity based off of what we've seen from Thibodeau. He's not going to be a guy to just completely commit to a rookie and, and give him all of this, this free reign that could change. If it's a player that's more like, again, a Johnny Davis type, one of those 
more NBA ready, you know, Ochai Ogbaji, older guards, older players that look like they can come in and contribute. Would that, you know, you would assume that if they're taking them, it's with more of an idea to get them immediate reps. Whereas someone like Shaden Sharp, someone like AJ Griffin, some of these younger players that need more developmental trajectory probably aren't as ready to go next year. It's interesting, even with with the lottery on Tuesday, a player like Chet Holmgren, he's the, the last player I want to talk about as we're wrapping up here, but do you have any thoughts on, on Chet? What I wanted to ask you um, is how successful do you think he could be coming off like just right away um, compared to how, like what we saw from Evan Mobley this year. Obviously, Evan Mobley would be a, an outlier in any year, but Chet Holmgren has similar questions and he has some similar strengths. Um, I really like Chet Holmgren from what I've seen of him. Gonzaga is probably the college team that I, uh, I watch the most of. I just, I like the product like year after year generally. Um, and Chet Holmgren is special. I like the types of passes that he throws, just like quick moving the ball, power passes, wraparound passes, and defensively, like he'll, he'll, he'll get moved, um, someone trying to take advantage of him, but he's just so like spatially aware. He knows where he is in relation to the rim. He blocks so many shots of guys that you could tell they thought there was no way their shot was getting blocked. So I'm so intrigued by Chet Holmgren. I, I do think that he should be the first pick where it does have that, uh, you know, lucky outcome. Yeah, he, he's my top prospect this year. And I've, you know, at different points considered all of them. But I think from now until draft night, he is my clear number one. I think everything you said was accurate. I think you made a really good point there with his spatial awareness and just his – his body movement is really special. He will get moved, but he's long enough and has enough body control to still block shots and just get in the way, even if he's being, even if he's been moved. I think watching his game against Jalen Duran, who is my number fifth product, and is clearly the, the top big in this class outside of, Chet. And if you watch, Duran did dominate him physically at times, but Chet really bothered him and really limited him offensively. And I think that speaks really highly to, to Chet's defensive prowess. And he just works so hard. And from everything you ever hear or read about Chet Holmgren, he just, he wants the challenge. He pushes himself physically. Uh, the difference between him and Mobley is I do think Mobley's frame was better built to, to put on weight and muscle. I have a few more concerns about Chet mm -hmm. being able to do that. I have, I was higher on, on Mobley than I am on Chet. That speaks more to, to what Evan Mobley was as a prospect and what Evan Mobley is as a player than it does about Chet. I think he will be able to, to impact games defensively, I do think he has a ceiling of being an absolute Gobert level defensive anchor. There are 
some questions. I think he's more, especially coming in, I think he is more of a four, and I do think he needs a, a more traditional five next to him, especially offensively. I think there's been unfair concerns about like how is he going to guard Embiid or Jokic when nobody can guard Embiid or Jokic. He will be, I think he will, he will be able to, to defend and and have an impact next year. I just think there's going to take some time. The body development is the big thing with him. He is 195 pounds at seven feet tall. That's really, really, really thin. We were talking about Jabari Smith Jr. Who's a wing. Right, so he's got 15 pounds on Chet and plays on the perimeter. Chet is going to be, at some point in his career, he's going to be banging on the inside, especially defensively. That is what he's going to need to do. So how well his body can, can handle that weight and that muscle will be an interesting trajectory. I think his defensive instincts are so high that he is going to be, a, if not elite defender, He's going to be a really, really good post defender at, at the bare minimum. Yeah, I think that the beautiful thing is that, um, you know, he's not ready to play the five for this year, for next year. Um, it's not so much of a problem because he's probably going to be a pretty helpful player at the four, even uh, mm-hmm. at 195 pounds, or maybe he breaks 200 by the time the season starts. But until he's ready to be like exactly who you want him to be, I think he still slots in so well. And you have to love a prospect who can give you the things like plus passing, plus defense with the shooting ability, like doesn't take anything away and lets you play a versatile brand of basketball. Just excited to watch draft season unfold. Excited to be a part of this. Uh, Watch this. uh, We got this Mavs game in about a half an hour that I'm very excited for. And uh, that's that's about it. I'm just I'm always excited for draft season for the Knicks. Always.